Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Now, how many of you know that God is the God of everything? Amen? And you might say, well, are you nervous, Pastor John? I am not. I sleep in peace. The only reason I wake up is because of our newborn. And our position is this. There's a need, but we trust God 100% of the time. And so I am full of faith that God is still going to come through and that He will. And how many of you know God also uses people? Amen. So I just want to share a few things. Um, so what, what, what does this mean? So here's the plan. After looking at the church's finances, the operating account, the pledges, and the line of credit that's available, we have just enough funds to complete the project, but to be cash tight. We'll be tight. There will be some items that we might have to delay if no extra money comes in, such as the digital sign. Uh, There are a few other things that... They're not essentials to us going back to the church. But as a board, we want to be honest. As a leadership of the church, we want to be honest. Because if we go back there and there's no digital signs, some of you will say, hey, what happened? Why didn't you tell us of the need if there was one? So here we are telling you um, that there are some needs, but the Lord knows as well. And our faith is strong in all of this. So there might be some items that will have to be delayed To ensure that the cash is there for the work of ministry, we still have to meet every week. We have youth uh, programs, things that happen uh, that takes money to run ministry in the church. But So that's the plan, but I want to share with you the faith that we have as well. Let us not lose heart when facing the facts. And I preached a message, I believe it was last year, called Faith the Facts. So the facts are real and they are here. But there comes a time in in our lives where we have to faith the facts. And we say, Lord, this is the reality, but I thank you that there's another eternal reality. And that's where faith steps in. Because we can stand, always we can stand firm on God's promises. And I don't know if you remember, but earlier this year, it was prophesied over our church. The reason why I keep repeating this is because we are quick to forget usually. And we had TJ... One of my, I was his youth pastor, but God used him while he was here. He's an evangelist now, full-time traveling. And he stood in our church and he declared the word of the Lord for us was that a million dollars will come by year's end. Amen. Thank you. I have the faith to say amen to that. Some of you are like, Pastor John's crazy, but I want faith like he has. Well, The Bible says if you even have the faith of a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountains that stand in the way, and they will be removed. And so money is is just a small mountain. It's just a little obstacle. And so it was prophesied over this house right here. And I stand, our, our event Wednesday night was called Standing on the Promises. And I'm standing on that million dollar promise still. And God is not a man that he should lie. Can I hear an amen? That's what he said in his word. So we can lean on God. We can trust him at his word. And we can take him at his word. And here's the other reality. Is often God will use people to accomplish his purposes. 
And uh, just to encourage you, because I was so greatly encouraged this week, I received an email from a board member saying they received a letter. And the letter said that, you know, I, I was just thinking, your, your church popped up again in my mind, in my heart. And I was thinking about what you are doing for your community. And they, they wrote a check. And I don't even care to know what the amount was. But all I know is God is stirring people's hearts. And there might be someone here, you've never come into our church before, I don't know. Uh, God might be speaking to you today to give. Maybe you haven't participated. Maybe you've been attending or you just started attending at the church. And you're like, I didn't know about this whole overflow capital campaign. God often uses people to accomplish His purposes. And by often, I would like to say He usually uses people. And so... I want to answer a question that you might be asking, or maybe you haven't asked yourself yet. How can I help, or what can I do? So I just want to share with you how you can help and get involved if uh, you haven't, or if you are in an even greater way. You could give a lump sum of money if, you, if the Spirit tells you, don't do it because I, I just gave you that idea. This has to be Holy Spirit-led. And if you feel nothing in your heart, then do not give anything. By all means. But you could give a lump sum pledge and say, here, I, I wasn't around in June when everyone committed, but here I, I give. Um, towards the overflow campaign, especially before the end of the year, a lot of people for some reason, uh, in December, we see a spike in giving. And I don't know if that's because people feel guilty or maybe they haven't given or maybe they look for a way to give at the end of the year. Well, here's a good opportunity. And then prayerfully consider... If you can increase your pledge, I'm just putting it out there. Maybe the Holy Spirit has, uh, has prompted your heart once. Maybe your situation has changed for the good since June and you've been thinking about doing this. I don't know. I'm just submitting these ideas to you. But especially ask God to help you be a part of the fulfillment of the prophecy that was given about this million dollars before the year end. And then also you could just, maybe you're saying, I don't have money, but I know people who do. Then share the vision. Share the vision and the reason why we are doing this. And it's simply for people. We're not in it for money. We're in it for people, for life change. So I just wanted to share that with you because my heart as a leader is we need to all be on this journey together. The responsibility cannot solely be on the, the deacons and on myself. And then when... When things fall short, perhaps, then we have to come back and answer all questions. So understand the heart. We're not in trouble. Uh, we don't owe banks money, but we, are, we have to pay for the work that's being done. And my understanding is, upon completion of the project, everyone's going to say, okay, we want the money. And uh, thank God we have provision with the, the bank loan. But it's important that we under... I don't want to trust... I don't rely on the bank. I don't, I don't like doing that for myself with my wife and our family. It's not the way we want, we want to run our home. And it's definitely not the way we will run the church. But that's why we're saying this. So we want, we want you to be encouraged today. It's just not like, oh, we're in trouble and the project's not going to get finished. No, it will. It will get finished. But I'm just saying that there's a need. And that need, if you say, well, how much? I, I'd say it's probably looking like 
$200,000 or so. And you might say, what? What's going on? Because there were some unforeseen costs. Uh, if you want, you can talk to the building committee and we can fill you in on some of those things. But there was water leaking in the basement. We had no choice. We had to rip out a wall. We had to plug it all and make it watertight, waterproof. Uh, I don't even know if those are the right construction terms, Nunzio. Uh, but essentially that, so they had to excavate all the grass, then there's new sod that has to get, like all these little things that are unforeseen until you take down a wall and you go, oh my goodness, that's why it was moldy in the kids' classrooms. It cannot continue this way. So those are some of those unforeseen costs. And I don't, I'm not here to talk about overflow till 12 p.m., but I wanted to give you this update because November 3rd, we're moving back in faith, we have Lee Grady as our guest speaker, and we have a weekend of ministry, and from that day forward, we just move forward. And so, I, with honor and joy and excitement and full of faith, I bring this update to you, the church. And I pray that you can get as excited as I am. Can you say amen? amen. Overflow. Overflow. We want an overflow of souls, and we believe that it's already started here in the school, and if God is going to do that, we always say money follows ministry. And as we're being faithful to the work of the kingdom, I know that God's going to fund the project fully. Because it's not, it's not for our glory. It's not my house. I don't have a bed there where I go sleep every night. It's God's house. And it's for His glory. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. So, today we start a new series called Values. Values And as a church, it's important for me to define what we value. And there, there are many uh, things that we value. We value people. And, and we can write a detailed list. But there are some core values that over the month of October, I want to share with you with God's help. Uh, because it's going to really help us to focus on what we really value. Once we know what we value then we will invest and we will understand why we do what we do. And so with God's help today, I want to share with you the first value, which is worship. Worship. And I know we've had a great time of worship this morning. Uh, before we dive into the topic of worship, I want to define what a value actually is. A value is a person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. And in our context, what is important in this house. You, I don't know if you know this. You can go to different churches. And different churches operate in different gifts. Or have an emphasis. A certain emphasis. Some churches might uh, place all their emphasis on souls. And evangelism is what they, 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 they spend the most time doing. They, they focus their budget the most on other places I've seen, it's not evangelism, but it's missions. And their only focus is sending people out. And they serve as senders as a church. Well, I'm still waiting on God to clearly define, maybe if He wants us to be very specific. But I don't really worry about that. I know that we, we love people. And I know that uh, we come for the, for the Lord. And we come to do the work of ministry. We are the church. We, the church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. And so my prayer for us is, Lord, however you want to use this house for your glory, use us. 
Let it be all of them. Healing, evangelism, missions. Expand our territory and our influence for your glory. And so that's my prayer. I remember in Bible school, everyone seemed to have a specific call. I'm called to be a pastor. And I, and I would listen to my classmates say all this stuff. And I'm, oh, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm called to, and I would sit there saying, I don't know what God has called me to be. I just love him so much. And I said, Lord, I give the rest of my life to you. Use me however you want. And sometimes I was a youth pastor. Other times I was doing young adults. Then I was doing worship. I was associate pastor at Weston. And then he said, okay, now you're going to lead the church. And I just learned to give God my yes. And so I'm very simplistic in that sense. So if you're looking for, well, what's the one focus of this church, of Weston? If you're new here, I'd say, well, it, it might shift. It might shift. I'll tell you what, what's important to God, though. Uh, one of those things is worship. One of those things is worship. And so we already said a value is person's principles or standards of behavior. One's judgment of what is important. And so now I want to talk to you about worship. We do have different expressions of worship. Clapping, shouting, jumping, dancing. So there are many different expressions of worship. But, I, but true worship is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives. Number one. And number two, where God is on our list of priorities. That's true worship. That's how I would define it. By the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. So, it's who God is and it's where He is in my life. But it's expressed even through my life as an act of worship. My lifestyle is an act of worship. And if you have your Bible, would you stand and let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Amen. We'll begin reading at verse 15. Are you with me this morning? Shout amen. And are you there? Say hallelujah. Alright, so Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Here's what it says. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And here it is. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. And here it is. You might want to underline this. Everything was created through Him and for Him. Everything was created through Him and for Him. Would you bow your head as we pray? Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, I thank You that You created us to be worshipers. And You created us, Lord, for Your pleasure. I pray, I pray today that You would open up our hearts and open up the uh, understanding as well, not in our mind, but the understanding of the heart, that we might catch Your heartbeat in this I, in this. Um, thing called worship. It's not what we do on a Sunday. It's a lifestyle. And I pray we would grasp that truth today in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Worship. Worship. Verse 16, the end part, everything was created through him and for him. 
Since God created us in His image, our purpose cannot be fulfilled apart from Him. We're created in His image. Our purpose for this life cannot be fulfilled apart from Him. We're created through Him and for Him. And I want to just say real quick, and I've said it before, but, but this is something that I want us to all understand as we talk about worship, and I, worship being something that we value here at Weston Road. You have to understand that the devil, another name for him was Lucifer, and he was the morning light in heaven. He would awaken the heavens with worship. He, some say he was the choir director, Lucifer, father of lights, or light of the morning. What's interesting is he was cast out of heaven and we are created in whose image? God's image. When God created man, he spoke everything into existence, but he took man and well, he formed man out of the dust of the earth, but he didn't speak man into existence. He breathed the breath of God into him, into man. And that's why we're saying, it's your breath in my lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Think of it, I'm made in His image, and I have the breath of God. Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There's a reason why it's a command in Scripture. It's not a great suggestion, and I'll tell you why right now. Every time you open this mouth and declare in worship and in praise who God is, you remind the devil of what he once had, but now he, won, now he lost for good. And every time you open your mouth, the sound of heaven is ushered into the world, into the earth. Do you catch that this morning? I don't know. I can't remember how you put it, Spencer, during worship, but I, it resonated with me that your worship matters. That's what he said. Your worship matters. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I... The devil, he'll use music. I mean, you don't even have to know the song, but if he could get you bopping to the world's tunes, get you listening to some of that music. I mean, I've heard Christians, and I've seen them post stuff on Instagram about a rapper, by chance, I can't remember his name. And that was a a little play on words. But a lot of Christians are promoting some of these musicians, singers, rappers, And I'm like, okay, I'm interested to see what this is all about. And I I check out the song that they were talking. And I start reading. As soon as you see the explicit sign on the album cover, that should be the first sign that this is not godly music. It's not something that I should be promoting as, as good. And here's the thing. If the devil can get you liking secular music... Not that you don't like worship, but that's a different sound altogether. You have to understand, it's a different sound. That's not the sound of heaven being released on the earth. That's the sound of the devil being released on the earth. And I'm a musician, and I get it. I love all kinds of music, all different styles. But it's important that I fill this vessel with worship. Why? Because that's what I was actually created for. The longer I spend time listening to other music, the more unfulfilled I still feel. And I might enjoy the the groove or the beat, but I want you to know that those words, even though you're not necessarily paying attention to them, oh, they're sinking in somewhere. 
It might not be in, in your mind at the front, but subconsciously they're there. And I used to listen to a lot of that music in high school and in college, not Bible college, community college, with my headphones on. I was growing as a musician. I was loving it. I was like, I don't know the words, but here's what, what happened. I would be in a store and I would hear the song come on. My ear would naturally tune into it and I go, oh yeah. And I would start singing even though I didn't think I knew the words. So it's important that if it's true, everything I've just said, we are created for worship, we are made in His image, wouldn't it be just like the enemy to take us from what we were created to do and distort it and get us singing another song, get us to lift our hands at another concert where it's not about Jesus? And ah, I don't want to get on that tangent because we'll never go back. But I'm passionate about it because that music is... I want to say music is my life, but it's not. Jesus is my life. And I use music as a vessel, as a tool, as a vehicle to worship Him. And it's important we get it. I was created to worship. So if I don't worship God, I'm going to naturally want to worship something else. If it's not God, I'm going to want to worship, but it's going to be on something else. So it's important that I make sure I know who I'm created to worship and why I do it. Can somebody say amen? And I've heard people in church, and it's not wrong, but we, we do say, because the scripture says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And I've heard people say, yeah, but if that's true, why do we spend 50% of the service singing, maybe 10% of the time praying, and then 40% listening to the word, or however that percentage might change. Um, but, but basically the question is, if... This is called a house of prayer. Why do we spend most of the time worshiping and most of the time just listening to the word? Well, I don't disagree, but we can't overlook the fact that we were created to worship. I I can't overlook the fact. That's why we do this. Just like worship is a lifestyle, prayer has to be a, a part of our lifestyle as well. So they're equally important, but there's something special when we gather together. And we begin to call on the name of the Lord. It could be in song. It could be in prayer. But we're still calling on the name of the Lord. That's what's important. So whether I am praying. Or if it's. Uh, you know. When I go to work. As I, as I drive. As I clean the house. Everything I do should be an act of worship. As I give my offering. Or my tithe. It's an act of worship. And the, the word says. Everything you do, do as unto the Lord. And sometimes it will be the fruit of my lips. But other times it will be the sweat of my brow. Ask Nunzio. I put on the construction boots this week with Spencer. And we swept that whole church sanctuary to get ready for our Standing on the Promises event. But I did it as worship. Work as worship. As unto the Lord. I didn't care. All I knew is when I get home I got a shower. I said... To Priscilla, I said, I'm sweaty, I'm dusty, top to bottom. Um, but that was the only thing I really cared about after. But it was as worship. And we have to understand that it won't always be in the context of a song in a service where we lift up our hands and the band is leading us. But I think true worship happens when the music stops. True worship happens when we walk out the door. Because we only spend 90 or so minutes together on a Sunday. But... but how do we lead a lifestyle of worship? Because worship is something that we value. That's the question this morning. At Weston, we want to develop a strong worship culture, even in the music sense. 
And a prayer we often pray as a church before the service is, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And part of that is releasing the sound of heaven in our worship. Revelation 4 gives us a beautiful glimpse behind the curtain of, of this scene of worship that takes place in heaven. But heaven on earth, baby, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if some of us have a hard time engaging as we worship, you're going to be doing it in eternity. So might as well start now. Let's, Let's practice. Let's refine those worship skills. Even our singing skills, our clapping skills. Those are just different expressions. However you feel to express your worship to the Lord, please do it. Express your worship to God. You were created to worship And so there's something beautiful and special and powerful when the church gets together, like I said, to lift up the name of Jesus. And then that sound of heaven gets released on the earth. If we don't release that sound, who will? If we as a church don't release that sound of worship, who will? Not this high school. It's the church. It has to come from the church. Our prayer is that it will reach and fill the high school. And then it can flow out of this place as well and every other apartment within the vicinity that God allows us to influence. Oh, that we would choose to worship even when it doesn't make sense. Worship when it doesn't make sense. See, like I said, the devil wants to stop us from doing what we were created to do. And all we know is that he can't stand the sound of heaven. Why? Because it reminds him of how far he's fallen. So I just want to share a few things, not long, because what we need to do at the end of today, I know we have, I'm aware of the time. I'm just going to give you what I, I know I have to this morning. And we're going to close this morning's service with worship. With worship, I said. Can I hear an amen? Either you were created for it or not, but we are. And, and here's the thing. Worship is... You can teach on worship all you want. You can try to teach your kids that it's important. But we ha- how many of you know we have to model it in our own lives? We have to live it out. And I believe worship is better caught than taught. Worship is better caught than taught. I'm going to share with you a few things on worship. But we're going to close with worship, with some music, with the band up here. And I, I, we need to learn to model it for the next generation. We want a youth band to form and to, to raise up the next generation. They're looking at our generation, at our level of worship. And my, it's not a concern because I know Weston, we love to worship. But as, as we enter in, they're looking at us. And, and not that they're, they're, uh, they're basing their worship on us, but that's what generally happens. The generation looks to the generation that's in front of them. And my prayer is that, can we as a a generation of adults, can we release that kind of worship on the next generation? I want my kids to grow up seeing daddy raise his hands, seeing, seeing daddy weep in the presence of the Lord. And I know that what I do, he will do as well. And my prayer for the next generation is that they will take it to a whole other level that I was never able to even know. But I'm going to go after God hard. And here's what I want to share with you. A true worshiper knows God intimately. Point number one. 
A true worshiper knows God intimately. And for that, I just want to take you, not we're, we're going to skip the actual scripture to go in, but if you want the reference, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 41 to 47. It's the confrontation between David and Goliath. You see, Goliath was, was taunting him, saying, what, what, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? You, you're a little boy and I'm this Philistine giant. I'm going to kill you. And he looked at David as just a little boy. But you see, David, he had a heart after God's own heart. David was a worshiper when no one was around and he was tending the sheep. He would write and pen some of those psalms that we can read in our Bible today. David was a man after God's own heart. He knew God intimately. And when he ended up going on the battlefield, he was not stifled by the enemy or the giant in front of him. But he knew who God was. He knew where God was in his life. And he declared over Goliath, no, 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 you're not going to win. I'm going to show you who's the real God. And when I'm done with you and I chop your head off, I'm going to go after all your other men. Did you know that after David killed Goliath, it only took him one shot, one stone, the other guys turned around and took off. Excuse me, a whole Israelite army couldn't, couldn't even face Goliath. But there was something special about David. He knew who his God was. And I submit to you, a true worshiper knows God intimately. And that intimacy prepares you for warfare. Prepares you for battle. So, if, if the word of God is a sword, Hebrews tells us, it's, it's a two-edged sword, it's sharper than any other sword I know. And it cuts straight between bone and marrow. So if, if the word of God is a sword, worship is how we swing it. Worship is how we swing it. So as we begin to declare who God is in our worship, we begin to wage war. And we fight the battle with worship. And I take you with that to Second Chronicles 20. Because at number two, a true worshiper worships when it makes no sense. And King Jehoshaphat, they were ready for battle and they didn't know how to fight. And they begin to fast and pray. They're asking God for help and God reveals the plan. And you know what he said? And it's not a new story, but he says, send the worshipers first. And they begin to worship and God fights their battle. End of story. They didn't even have to do any of the fighting. They just had to worry about worshiping God. Because... If I be lifted up, Jesus, if he, His name be lifted up, He will draw all men unto Him anyways. So some of the best evangelism is our worship too. And we begin to lift up the name of Jesus. So, worship Him when it makes no sense. One more example that I love, this is my favorite, is in the book of Acts, in chapter 16, Paul and Silas, in the midnight hour, in the dungeon, and I, I always talk about this because I love this picture. Because they're in the dungeons of dungeons in that prison cell. And who knows what else was happening and rotting and what creature was crawling and all of that. And they just said, hey, this would be a great time to worship. Even when it makes no sense. They were prisoners. And they did. And their worship caused the chains to break off and the shackles broke off their feet. And here's the beauty of that picture. The other prisoners were taking note. They said, why are they worshiping? And the jailer thought, 
Oh, I'm in trouble now. All the prisoners escaped. How did this happen under my watch? The punishment for him was death. So he was about, he drew his sword, the jailer, and was about to take his life, his own life, before he would have to deal with it, with his boss. And what happened is they said, no, 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 we're all here. And you know what happens? The jailer and his whole household are saved. You see, our worship is some of our best evangelism as well. And we worship God when it makes no sense because the world is watching us. The world is watching. So number one, a true worshiper knows God intimately. Number two, a true worship, worshiper worships when it makes no sense. One more example, Judges chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says that after the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribe should go first to attack the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah, for I have given them victory over the land. Did you know that Judah means praise? So send praise first, for I have given them the battle, the victory. And so some, some of us, we've been struggling for breakthrough. Some of us, we come, and it's hard to enter into worship because of the weight of whatever situation you might be going through. Can I submit something to you today? Can you just throw it all off? And say, Lord, I trade this and I give you my highest praise. In spite of what I'm feeling, in spite of what the, what the thoughts are today, Lord, I give you my highest praise. Even though I don't see the victory yet, I know that praise has the ability to bring me through. Can somebody say amen? And then true worship, this is number three. True worship draws a line in the sand. True worship draws a line. You see, when Moses in the Old Testament was up in Mount Sinai, the Israelites were saying, this is taking way too long. It's taking way too long. And they go to Aaron and they said, can you create uh, some gods that we could worship? So he said, let's collect all the gold from your earrings and all of that stuff. And they melted it all. And there's this beautiful golden calf. I say beautiful, but it's not really beautiful when we talk about worship. And they began to worship this golden image, this calf. And Moses and God are up on the mountain and they hear this noise. Moses is coming down now after a period of time. And it's not the sound of worship, it's a celebration. And they're, they're beginning to sin in, in this idol worship. And Moses comes down and he's upset. He says, what's going on here? They say, Aaron did it. Not, not this Aaron. <laughs> but they said Aaron did it. And here's Aaron's response in Exodus chapter 32, verse 24. He said, well, they wanted this, so I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Isn't that a funny response? I laughed. I told Priscilla this week, I go, that's hilarious. Oh, we just threw the gold into the fire and this thing came out. It looks like a calf. And they began to worship it. And in verse 26, Moses has enough. He's been with God. You see, when you are with God and in His presence, you will know what true worship is from what is not true worship. And in verse 26, Moses draws the line. And again, true worship draws the line. All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me, he said. True worship draws a line. Why? You can't serve God and this world. You can't serve God in this world. You either worship Him with your hands up, or you're worshiping something else. I don't know about you, but I'm not half saved. 
and half in the world, I'm, I'm 100% saved. I give my life to God because He gave me His one and only. So I worship Him only. Now, we sometimes veer off, but that's when we have to get back on track. True worship draws a line, and it's important for us to know when we cross it, because we need to go back. And then lastly, and we already said this and established it, a true worshiper knows that some things are better caught than taught. Worship team, would you come back? I just want to share with you some statements about worship, some declarations for our church that that are core to what we value about worship. Would you stand to your feet as we prepare? I want to share these with you. You see, you could understand worship in theory, just like I understood how to drive a car after my theory class. Sitting in the classroom is very different than being on the road, yes? We agree. I remember the first time I tried to change lanes, someone honked at me for like a whole minute because I almost took them out with myself. The theory of it is very different than practicing it. We need to learn to practice and host the presence of God. So here are some statements. We desire God's presence above production. The lights, the, the, there's no smoke at Weston Road. Unless it's the, the, the presence of God that fills this place like a cloud. So we desire God's presence above any production. We respect principles of worship. Not people's preferences for worship. Our worship will usher in the sound of heaven on earth. This is what we believe as a church. And this is what we know is our purpose. We will sing a new song unto the Lord. And then worship is a non-negotiable priority in our lives. This is what we were created to do. Therefore, it's non-negotiable. Worship is a non-negotiable priority in our lives. And then lastly... We don't measure worship by excitement or how loud it gets or how quiet it might get. We don't measure worship by excitement, but by obedience, by obedience. And we need to learn to express what God is doing on the inside of us. And it's appropriate. Did you know that it's appropriate to shout unto God with the voice of triumph, to clap your hands, all the people, to make a joyful noise? think about Joshua around the walls of Jericho. They didn't say a word, but they were, there was no excitement, but there was obedience. And as they walked around the walls, God gave them instruction for that seventh day. And when they shouted and blew the trumpets, oh, did the walls come down? Oh, did they have their victory in Jesus' name? So today, listen, you might have it in theory and understand, okay, I'm created to worship. But we need to learn to practice it and learn to put it into practice. So I've asked the band to come. And and again, some things are better caught than taught. And so my prayer for us is as we close this morning service, could we just lift our hands? Could we just worship the Lord? Could we just tell Him how much we love Him? A, a, a simple definition of worship is worth-ship. Whatever I'm ascribing worth to. So as we worship Him, as we sing the the words of this song, we ascribe worth to who He is in our lives. He's a priority today in, in our service, but also in our week. 
So I'm just going to ask Spencer, would you lead us out today? And I'm going to come up and close us whenever I feel it's appropriate. If you need to go, I release you to go. But know that as you leave this place, worship doesn't end when the band stops or when you walk out. It's just begun. Because we've been called to a lifestyle of worship. Everything we do, we do it for His glory, for His honor, for His His name's sake. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.